Welcome back. It's me, Alex Coons, your host of Pie to Pie. And today, like every day on this podcast, we have an exceptional guest. This one, Zach Fishman, co-owner of the Prime Dynasty, Prime Pizza in Los Angeles, California. Seven shops and counting. Guess what we talked about? We talked about growth. I'd actually called Zach on the phone maybe three or four months prior to this interview. And I I just kind of picked Zach's brain myself. Zach is full of information on how to run an, an operation with so many units, how to grow an operation with so many units. And there is just dimes being dropped all episode. I know that if you're looking to open up another shop or opening up just one shop, there is a lot of information for you here. You're at the right place. I really enjoyed this conversation. We had the interview right in the middle of the kitchen of their newest location in Altadena. Zach was generous with all of his information and I'm really excited to share this one with you. People of the internet, Zach Fishman of Prime Pizza. Enjoy this episode. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Killing in the name of, they're killing the pizza game. Zach De La Roca, Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machines that don't work in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Prime Pizza, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very excited for this one. We are at the newest Prime Pizza in Altadena, scheduled to be open by the end of the month, correct? Correct. This is Zach, the man, the myth, the legend, and <laughs> one of the owners? Yeah. Or the owner? I have I have a partner. There is a partner. Yeah. We're sitting now with Zach. He's the face of the business today, baby. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Really happy to be here. Pie to pie. We got 15 questions. Yep. Maybe some others will come out after that. Are you ready to rumble? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. What attracted you to pizza and who ultimately taught you how to make it? I loved pizza from an early age. I always loved it. It was always, you know, my favorite food. And um, I remember my dad would go and pick up, like, this is what I love about pizza. Everyone always has a pie from childhood, right? And it could be Pizza Hut, it could be Domino's, it could be whatever. But like, there's a nostalgia around childhood pizza. And I think that's one thing that makes sometimes our job hard because you're working, you're being compared to a childhood memory that like you're never going to be able to live up to, you know? And so like sometimes people come and try your pizza and it's like, well, it's like, it's not, you know, X, Y, Z pizzeria. And it's like, yeah, because that was like your first love. That was like your first boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, it's like, you can't replace that. But anyway, mine was pizza connection in the Valley. I'm, I'm from the Valley. And, um, my dad who was actually born in New York, he would go and pick it up and had cornmeal crust. And like, I remember how that tastes. Like I remember that slice. Um, and so that was kind of like my first pizza that I really loved. Um, but then when I lived in New York, I moved to New York for like six years. And, um, I remember I took the train down to DeFara's and I had, and, and, um, Don was still alive and he was making all the pizzas. Um, and I had that pizza for the first time. And I was just like, this is, (laughs) this is the best thing I've ever eaten. It's incredible. Yeah. Like he took it out. Like he took it out with his bare hands. He didn't use a peel. He used a peel for launching. He didn't use a peel for rotating the pies. Took it out with his hands. The guy's like hands were totally blistered. Yeah. He had this like 
can of olive oil that he would finish. He had snipped the basil. Yeah, he's got the scissors. He with got the, the basil. scissors yeah. with the basil. The whole thing was iconic. The whole thing was just like blazed in my mind. Yeah. And I ate that pie, and I was just like, "This is it. Like, I love this." Uh, so that's what, what attracted me to pizza. And then I went around and ate every pizza in New York, and you know, just totally fell in love. Yeah. Um, and then the guy who taught me how to make pizza was Frank Pinnell. Um, Frank helped us open our first store in Fairfax and we approached him. This was before he had the vice show, you know, he just had best in Williamsburg and, um, we approached him. We were like, would you, would you consider helping us open this pizza? He said, yes. I don't know why, but he said yes. And, and he came out, we became really good friends. We're still really good friends. And yeah, he taught us everything. What was, was Frank doing consulting or was it like, did he take on prime as a consultant? Yes. He was doing consulting, but like he was just getting into it. He yeah. had not done a lot of it. Now, obviously, he's done a ton of it now. And now he has other pizzerias and you know, he did Vice and he blew up. But back then, it was really kind of, it was early in our career and it was early in his career. So we kind of met at a cool juncture in both of our careers. You came from like a background of restaurant management, right? Yes. And where, like, what sprung the idea for Prime? You know what I mean? Like, how, how did that get cooked up? And then, and then was like somebody like Frank Pinello always in mind or like bringing somebody in for like that kind of like that New York touch? We didn't know how to make pizza. Okay. Like at all. Like we didn't know anything about pizza. <laughs> we knew restaurants. Yeah. And we knew, we knew how to run a restaurant. We knew management. Yeah. Um, but we did not know pizza. So we always knew that we had to bring someone in. It was just kind of the question of like who, right? So we got hooked up. Actually, Polly G hooked us up with Frank. Um, Andy, Polly, you're Polly, dropping all the big names, dude. Well, it's like, it's, <laughs> this is a story, man. It's like, don't mean to name No, I love but, it, I love it. But Polly G, yeah, he connected us with Frank. Okay. And so um, the idea sprung, basically the, the short version of the story is we both have Jewish dads from New York and they're always talking about like, ah, oh, there's no good pizza in New York. There's no good pizza in LA, which was true. Um, I think that's changed now, but like when I was growing up, it was definitely true. And like up until a couple of years ago, I think it was still true for New York style. Like there really hasn't been a lot of New York style pizza in LA. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of, we both kind of internalized that me and my partner, James, um, and, uh, and we really wanted to bring New York style pizza to LA. And so, um, we started looking for spaces and, that Fairfax space, it, it, you know, if you've been to New York and, and seen New York pizzerias, a lot of times they're those railroad spaces. And we saw that space. And, and um, the other thing that was really interesting about that space was that um, they, a few months prior, um, Damiano's had closed. And that was that pizzeria that had been there forever. And that was like... So, is that now John and Vinny's? John and Vinny's yeah. bought the yeah, building yeah. and kicked them out. Yeah. And so Damiano's closed. And so there was a void. And that pizzeria had been that pizzeria for that neighborhood for, for like, I don't know how many years, like since the 70s at least. Yeah. And like all the hair bands in the 80s, like they'd all go there for after canners, like after they were in the kibitz room, they'd go over Damiano's. So it left a big void. And so when they closed, that, that timing all just came together. Then we saw that space and we were like, oh, this is it. Like Fairfax is such an iconic block. We felt like it worked with New York pizza. Yeah. The whole thing just kind of came together. Yeah, I mean, that block in itself is kind of just like, uh, there's a lot of history there. Such a great history. It's like such like a hype block too, with like this, yeah. like all the clothing and like, totally. yeah. 
Uh, and it's changed so much uh-huh. in the last 10 years. And like the whole Jewish history and Cantor's being there yeah. and like, and then the streetwear and the skateboard, like there's just so many cultures colliding on yeah. that block. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty sick location. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites for sure. So we're talking about New York slice. I think what prime has done really well is, is kind of like bring that, that sense of home to California, still doing it in Los Angeles. Yeah. But you know, people say all the time, like, you want a good New York slice, you should like go check out Prime. It's kind of like something you guys are known for. And you've said it a couple times talking about New York slices. Could you tell me like what an authentic like New York slice means to you? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't, I, in my opinion, like you can't talk about New York style pizza without talking about size. Like it's a, it is a size thing. Like it has to be 18 inches size or bigger. Matter. It does. Yeah. Like, a 16 inch pie is not New York style. Like yeah. it's just not. Um, so it's gotta be 18 inches or bigger. You know, I think the most standard is 18 and 20. Um, I think Frank, Frank at best is 20. Um, and then I think that the other thing, I think that the square pie and the round pie, that relationship is kind of crucial to New York style pizza, right? Like everybody who walks into a New York style pizza in New York, like you know what you want, right? You either want a square or you want a round, right? You know that both those are going to be options. So having the square pie and the round pies, I think is a big part of New York pizza. And then for the slice itself, I feel like for me, for New York pizza, it's that perfect marriage of acidic tomato sauce and mozzarella cheese kind of coming together to form that kind of light red orange you know uh covering you know that that the where the cheese and the sauce kind of marry into one almost to like form its own sauce right its own thing um and and just that that combination of flavor between the the richness of the the mozzarella and the sharpness the acidity of the the tomato sauce yeah. coming together uh, with a little bit of oregano in the background. Like that iconic taste for me is New York style pizza. I called Zach actually like three months back to talk about kind of like growth. I had some questions about growth. So I think like a lot of things you said in that phone call, I kind of wanted to kind of like line you up with some similar questions because yeah. I think a lot of the things you said were like very informative and there was a lot of nuggets. So I'm hoping to give the people some of that as sure. well. So um, you're about to open your seventh location, yeah. right? Uh, this is no longer a couple shops. <laughs> I would say that you have created an LA institution. Uh, how do you ensure that every shop you open, you do it with the same integrity as that first one? I Well, I'll start off by, by saying that, you know, even though we have seven shops, you know, and it feels like we've kind of accomplished you know, something beyond just having, like you said, a couple of shops, I still feel like I'm learning every day. And I definitely don't feel like, um, like, you know, I have all the answers on the contrary. Like, I feel like I have none of the answers still, and I'm still learning every day. So it's, it's a constant work in progress. Um, I think, you know, it's about having really good people. It's always, it's always about people, right? Like it's about having really good people who you trust and you do a good job. And then communicating to those people what's really important to you, you know? So like for us, 
the pizza quality is is front front and center always. Like we never want to backslide. We always want to be making our pizza better. Um, and so that commitment to quality has to be understood by everyone who's part of the team and everyone who's opening new shops. Um, me and my partner, James, are still really involved. Like, you know, we're still really involved in the business on a daily basis. So we haven't stepped back and kind of handed it off. You know, we're still really involved in making sure that the seventh is as good as the first, you know? And, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that, like, we always succeed in that. Like, we don't, you know? It's a constant, constant work in progress. And my team is really dedicated to making sure that those quality issues are addressed right away. You know, so like we're staying on top. We have, you know, daily manager communications. We're checking, you know, any customer complaint that comes in through Toast or online or through email, it gets addressed, if not that day, the next day, like, you know, pretty much right away by the managers. So we're trying to stay really on top of that and make sure that we're catching any signs, any quality, you know, quality issues right when they happen and addressing them. All right. So basically... Communication. Communication, <laughs> Communication is yeah. number one, I mean, whether it's one shop or, or seven. We say that every day. Yeah, it's all about communication. This brought up a question while you're while you're talking. So I like to make trigger hair decisions about changing dough or using, you know, a different cheese or but when you're when you have seven shops, like how how do you how does that work when you make a change does it be like all right we'll all make the change at the same time do some stores do things differently and how much do you think like the original recipe has changed since 2014 i asked you like 15 questions just there so, i got them all right. it's all it's okay. all going right now uh great questions i think that um yes we've changed but we've changed like we wanted to like i think we're better now yeah um, I, and that's something I'm really proud to say. Like, I look back at that pizza in 2014 and I'm not embarrassed by it because it's where we started. But like that pizza is nowhere near the pizza that we serve today. I can fully say with like 100% confidence that the pizza that we're serving today is the best pizza we've ever served. And that was because of changes that we made along the way, right? Like we were just talking before the pod started like about natural fermentation, right? That was a change we made because we knew it was gonna make our, our pizza better. Yeah. And, um, and so that was a change that we made. And um, you know, we've made other changes along the way to improve our pizza. Um, the core ingredients have all stayed the same. Those we picked with Frank on day one, and I'm happy to say that, you know, I'm really happy with our choices and we've stuck with them. Um, in terms of making changes when you have, you know, multi-locations, it's definitely a process and it depends on how big the change is. For example, um, we recently decided that we were no longer going to put basil on cheese, pepperoni, like, so our cheese pie, pepperoni, sausage, and grandma pies, they all got basil by default. Yeah. And what we found was that as a slice shop, the basil just, the basil ends up dying on the pie, basically. Yeah, turning like brownish. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just didn't love it. Like, you know, I, I didn't love that. And it's funny, it's like, why did I get here, you know, nine years in and not before? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like, sometimes it takes nine years. Sometimes it takes I, nine years. Sometimes it takes someone like Brett, you know, our culinary director to raise it and be like, 
do we want to be doing this? Yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, I've thought about that, but yeah, let's give it more thought. And so we made that decision a couple months ago um, that we weren't going to put basil on the pie by default. Now we kept it as a free mod so people can add basil. People who love basil and I do love basil can add it still for free, but it's not going to be on the pie by default. And I think that that was important for the slices primarily because when the slices are sitting in the case, you know, they just look a lot better without that basil that's dyed on it. Right. So we made that change and we made that change store wide or no, actually we did. We piloted that change. So Usually with changes, we pilot the change. So we'll pilot at one location and see how it goes. Um, and then we'll take it store, we'll take it company wide. With that, I thought we made that company wide right off the jump, but I actually do think that we piloted it for a, for a second at Burbank. So um, if it's a small change, we'll do it company wide. We'll get all our managers together. We'll let them know and we'll do yeah. it company wide. But any big change, any significant change, we do it first at one location. We work out all the kinks. Um, we'll do testing and then we'll move it to one location. We'll work out all the kinks and then we'll move it location wide. Okay. Yeah. So s- slowly, but surely. Yeah. Like it's not like you're on a WhatsApp chat and it's like, yo guys, no more basil. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, we try and do things methodically Yeah. because you know, manage for managers. It's like your worst nightmare is the owner being like today. It's like, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. like worst nightmare. Yeah. It's not like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So we try and really, and also we like to get feedback from our crew. You know, we like to get feedback from our managers because ultimately they are the ones who are in the shop every day yeah. dealing with the product on a hands-on basis. So their uh, feedback is super valuable to us. Yeah, yeah. and dealing with the customers like, where, where the fuck's my basil? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so we need to know that. And so part of the pilot is like, are people going to be really upset by this? Like, I don't know. I think it's a good change. Yeah. You know, but we need to kind of test the waters out before and then we can adjust and be like, okay, people seem to be upset about this. So why don't we actually do it this way? Yeah. Because like going back to communication, right? It's like, it's all about communication. Was there any basal backlash? Very little. Yeah. Very little. I thought there was going to be more, but I think because we kept it as a free modification that you can just add onto your pie. I I think that was the right way to go. I think that's real generous and I think that's real nice. Yeah. Thanks. Staffing. Oh, you opened up and correct me if my numbers are wrong. You'll have opened up four shops in three years. Uh, yeah. Right? 20, Burbank was 2020. And then we did Burbank, West LA, Santa Monica, El Segundo, and now Altadena. So, so five in three years. Yeah. Insane. Five shops in three years. What is the secret, if any, for staffing locations? Staffing a single location <laughs> for three years is tough enough, but... You know, getting that team together, creating that that vibe and your values. Like, how do you how do you do it? It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> that could just be the answer. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Done. Yeah. No, I mean, like you know, like it's so hard. Yeah. It's the hardest thing, um, but there are a couple of things I think I can I can kind of share. Yeah. From my experience, so one is that we've we've started to. Um, for openings, we've, we've started to push back the timeline for getting key people hired. So for example, at Altadena, our ASM, our GM was internal. It was an internal promotion. Um, our ASM, our KM, our lead pizza maker, our lead prep cook, and, uh, I think two other pizza makers 
have all already been working, some of them for several months. Um, so they've already been trained. Mm -hmm. um, so Altadena is going to have a core staff that's been trained for months now, and they're just waiting. They're just getting repped and waiting. Um, so that was a big lesson that we learned um, as we started to speed up the, the opening process is like you have to have your key people in place. And I would actually say that like for pizza specifically, nothing is more important than the prep team. Uh, the prep team is the rock on which the restaurant stands without a solid prep team. You know, it all comes back to the dough, right? So yep. like that was definitely a lesson we learned. Like you got to have those, like if you're not bringing an all-star prep person from another, from another uh, location to be your prep person, at the new location, you got to have prep people training months and months before. They have to be rock solid. Yeah. So that was a big lesson that we learned. Um, we recently started uh, working with a company called Landed, and they are a hiring platform that helps hiring for staff. But I will say that they, it's it's really great for hourly level team members, um, cashiers and such. Um, it's a little bit harder for back of the house and it's much harder for management. So that's just a small piece that we've added that's helped us with cashiers mostly um, and shift leads and, and ASMs to some degree. So that's so that's been a plus. Um, the labor market has, has come back a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's helped. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that one of the benefits of opening multiple shops is that you can get your message out a little bit further and to a certain degree, although it's still hard, people start coming to you. Yeah. So like people have started hearing about us and coming to us. We haven't had to go and like find every single person. We've gotten a lot of people who have just come to us because they know us, they know the brand, they've seen the signs and they come to us. So that's helped a lot too. Yeah. But yeah, still impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's uh, still the hardest thing. Yeah, but you said something that I think was really, really, that was so solid on your website. I read one of your articles about um, keys to hiring, and you were talking about trusting your your instincts with people and only hiring, you know, people that you feel really good about yeah. and not ignoring the red flags. That is like golden advice. I think it's 100% spot on. And I've I've been in that same boat as you of like, going against your instinct and hiring someone because you're up against the wall and it, it backfires Yeah, pretty much every time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That only took me 15 painful years to, to learn, but yeah, it took me a it, really long yeah, time too. It's better for the short term like pain. Yeah. A hundred percent. Every time. Yep. Obviously like having the brand recognition and then you're talking about, you talked about, um, I just want to know a little information. Landed? I, I've, I've yeah. used Indeed. Is it is it any different than an Indeed? It's slightly different. Um, they use they use AI. Ooh, I love AI. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm getting into the <laughs> into the technology uh, <laughs> sector now. But yeah, no, they use they use AI to help coordinate the initial communication oh, with nice. candidates yeah. so that when they come to your manager, there's like, to a certain extent, the basics have already been worked out. So then they basically like get the candidate from like first hello to first interview. They handle all of that communication and basically hand the candidate off to your manager for an interview. So it's really nice because- So they, they vet 
they kind of vet the on uh, a very basic okay, level. Okay. On a very basic level. And you set up the parameters of what you're looking for, right? Like must-haves, nice to haves, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and so they and you know, it like anything with AI, it's like it's a work in progress, yeah. like it's not perfect. But according to them, and I think they're right, the key in in hiring um in this market is like quickness of response. So like if you're not right on it when someone applies, if you're not like there two seconds later being like, hey, like, great to meet you. Can I set up an interview? It's tomorrow. Come in tomorrow. You yeah. know, it's like, it has to be so quick. The yeah. pace of interviewing and applying has become so quick that that's what they help with. Because their their response time to someone applying is like within minutes. So that's kind of their thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's de- interesting. Definitely yeah. checking that out when, uh, yeah, when I get back to work. Um <laughs> Landed.com. Yeah, it's a promo. I got my questions down here if anyone's actually watching this and not listening, uh, <laughs> trying to hide them. So have you used the same general contractor like throughout uh, all of your constructions? No. And, and okay, how many have you gone through? Have you found one that you liked? For a lot of people that have never gone through construction, it sucks for the most part, right? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It's, <laughs> and I, yeah. So is there a general contractor that you do use or you have used more than once or yes. where are we at with that? Yeah. Great question. Um, so we've gone through, we've used four different contractors over the course of the years. Um, and we've used the same contractor for the last two um, his name is Victor Nelson, and I really like him. He's a really I'm nice guy. Writing that down, Victor Nelson. Write it, write it down. Um, yeah, I can I can hook you up if you like. Yeah, shout out Victor um, Nelson. Yeah, he's a great dude. Super nice. Um, kind of the exception to the rule of contractors. You know, they can be uh, they can I'll be do it thorny. I fucking want to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll do. They, it. Can, they can be difficult people to yeah. work with. Victor is really really nice. He's a really good guy, and uh, I really like him. And we've used him for our last two projects, and and I plan on continuing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but you know, that was took many years. Yeah, and probably a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Um, and money. Yep. Pain oh. is money. Yes. <laughs> um, on that, is there is there a number that? that you guys have of how many shops or does that not stop? Or is there a, at some point stops. like a franchise <laughs> or like you guys become the next Tony Gimiani, like slice house Dude. or like, you know, I'd like, love to be him. is there, He's killing it. is there a plan for that kind of thing or is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, can yeah. you let me in on the secret plan? Oh, I'll let you in. Um, so it changes, right? I mean, like you've opened two pizzerias, right? Yeah. So Only like one from the ground up. Right. But like, I'm sure there was a point in your, in your career early at Purgatory where like, you probably weren't thinking about a second location or maybe you always were. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think there, I always wanted more. Right. I didn't know how many. Sure. Yeah. When we opened, we, we had no idea, you know, like, yeah, like we thought maybe we'd open a second one, but it, it changes once you, it's just like anything else. Like you start doing it and then you're like, oh. I can, all right, I can do this. Yeah. So for, for me, the biggest jump was from one to two. And then once we got to two, five became the number. And I was like, I just want to get to five. And then we got to five and I was like, well, I can do this. I can keep going. Like, 
we can get to 10. Yeah. So like right now we're on, we're on pace for 10. Like that's, we're on the road to 10. Right yeah. Now. Three more at this point. It's like, yeah, we can do it. Yeah. Like we're, we're, so we want to, we want to be at 10 by 2024, by the end of 2024. Okay. So that's our goal. But beyond that, I could see a, I could see a lot of different neighborhoods that could use a prime pizza. You know, we kind of try and be that neighborhood New York pizza place for, for each neighborhood to come and get really authentic, great New York pizza. Yeah. And that plays in a lot, like every neighborhood needs that pretty yeah. much, right? So I think that there's a lot of growth to be had with Prime. How exactly we're going to get there and do it, I don't have like a super specific plan laid out right now at this moment. Um, I, know how, I know how we're going to get to 10. Um, I don't know how we're going to get to 20 and beyond yet. Yeah. I have some ideas, but it's not super set. You mentioned franchising. I don't love franchising. Just, it doesn't seem to be, I think if you really care about your brand and your company, I don't know. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there's lots of people who care deeply about their brand and who have franchised. But to me, I just don't see franchising necessarily as as a path for Prime. Um, I don't I don't love it for our for our company. Yeah, that could change, and I and I don't know a ton about franchising. I'll I'll make that disclaimer. Yeah, but right now that's not that's not part of the plan. Getting to twenty plus shops, or is that like going further into possibly like you know Orange County, San Diego? Yeah, like to yeah. to to really get to that number. Yeah, we are actively looking in the OC right now. Okay, we're actively looking in the OC. We're looking in Woodland Hills. We're looking in you know. I think we could go out to Inland Empire. Yeah, I think we could go. Oh, you yeah. know, we go to a lot of different yeah. places, but but still. So like, I'm not looking in Arizona. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't think we have to go out of state yet. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room in the SoCal region. 100%. Even before you get down to San Diego. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of room in, in this. I mean, it's so huge, yeah. you know, and and you just have these these suburb areas that keep on getting more population. And, and like those areas need New York pizza, too. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, we're definitely looking, expanding the radius. OK. And so when you do that. You have to look for a spot. Yeah. And I feel like the way you guys have created or you, you haven't had to do a full build out anywhere, right? Burbank, you kind of did a strip, right? Burbank, we did. Yeah. Yeah. But this was a bakery, uh, not Santa, was Santa Monica a pizza shop? Yep. Santa Monica was a pizza shop. West LA was a pizza West shop. West LA was a pizza shop. So two questions before I forget the other one. So is that what you're looking for? Like, is there a formula to like, okay, this is going to be, this is perfect. It's a second generation kitchen. We know it's going to cost X amount of dollars and like, this is the right situation. And then to piggyback on that, do you look at a map and you say, boom, West LA, that's the next one. Boom. We need one in Burbank. Boom. That's like, you know, Orange County is the next one. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of map looking <laughs> these days. There's a lot of looking on maps. Um, to answer your first question, yes, the model up until now has been second gen spaces. Um, and if they were pizza, even better. Uh, like the the easiest build out we ever had was West LA. It was a pizza hut. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was funny because we walked in, we were like, oh, yeah, these guys really knew what they were doing. <laughs> there was like a there was like a, a, a sliding door on the walk-in for dough like right next to the pizza line i was Shout like out pizza hut dude. dude they 
They had, a, they had it dialed in. That's, we walked in there and we we're like, oh, right, this is how you okay, you're just taking makes... notes, like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Put the, implement, don't touch anything. <laughs> don't touch anything. Implement this kitchen plan right now. No one out, pizza's the HUD. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> They're not lying. So true. Uh, basically. So, yes, we look for second gen spaces. Um, we have yet to do a first gen space. I think we will. Mm-hmm. I definitely think we'll get there. That has a lot more to do with the landlord relationship and kind of how much they're willing to to work with you. And yeah. Because for me, you know, in in my opinion, like I don't love spending all of my money to make someone else's property more valuable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without them doing anything in return, like I, I don't think that's fair. That doesn't seem like a good relationship. So. If we can find a first gen space where a landlord's willing to work with us and say, hey, you know, we're willing to put up this amount of dollars and work with you on rent and work with you on timeline. And then I'm all for that because first gen spaces are great. You yeah. know, everything's new. It's yeah. like you don't have any problems. And, and you design it yourself. Yeah. And you get to do it exactly the way you want to. Yeah. And, and so there's definitely pros and cons to going into second gen spaces, right? There's a certain amount of, of, of shoehorning that you need to do. And like, it's, it's. I will say that none of our spaces up to date are perfect, right? Because of that. Yeah. Because we didn't design it from the ground up. Yeah. But the timelines were quicker. The money was less. So there's there's pros, right? Yeah. There's serious pros. So I would say up until now we've been second gen, but I wouldn't roll out. I wouldn't rule out first gen spaces. Um, and then in terms of maps and and looking at where we're going to go, um, we learned a big lesson with Santa Monica and West LA. Um, I think that. I think that those two stores were maybe just a little too close together. Yeah. They're both still doing great. Like, you know, they're both great stores. Um, but I think that now in particular in, in our stage of growth, we will, we really want to focus on stores that kind of get us a new market, you know? Yeah. So things that don't overlap. Yeah. These are like a mile radius that you would recommend. I mean, for us, this totally depends on your delivery setup and how far you deliver and, yeah. And, um, you know, Uber Eats is our exclusive third party partner and they help us a lot with mapping and Mm -hmm. kind of heat maps and showing us where the orders are coming from. Uh, So that helps a lot, too. But for us in general, you know, five miles is kind of like the minimum. Right. I think 10 miles is kind of perfect because you're not going to even at five miles, two and a half of those miles are going to overlap still. So 10 miles is kind of perfect for okay. us. Yeah. Yeah. And then in LA, you could be five minutes away, but it could still take you 45 minutes to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so having so many shops, do you see do you see trends throughout all of LA? Um, so like say um, Arts District or Little Tokyo has been like super slow. Does that usually correspond throughout? Because I mean, you are spread out the city, like throughout the city. So like... Does that data usually match? Like, is there slow times? Like, usually July, August is kind of slow in LA. People get out. Are all the stores slow, or like, is one store banging when one store isn't? Like, is that does does that match up? Yeah, I would say like both. Yes and no. Like, yes, there's definitely company wide trends that we see this July and August in particular has been like slower than usual. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's kind of the first summer post COVID that people felt really secure traveling. Um, You know, hot weather is never our friend really as, as pizza shop owners. Um, 
So yes, in general, we do see company-wide trends, but we also see store-specific trends. Um, that applies more to like, obviously, if something's going on in an area, like if there's, you know, the book fair downtown, like DTLA is going to get a bump, right? Yeah. The car show in El Segundo, El Segundo is going to get a bump. So like Burbank has proven to be like an incredible steady store. Um, and Burbank will buck company-wide trends a lot. So even when other stores are slowing down, like Burbank will hold strong. Mm -hmm. So like there are some, some, some exceptions for sure. Yeah. Some idiosyncratic, you know, numbers I to mean, stores. I just think about like having like seven, you know, shops to look at those numbers to like, to analyze that data. It's got to be like somewhat helpful. You know what I mean? Yeah, to definitely. Because you're not, you know, if one or two shops are like, oh man, this is weird. But it's like you, you're, you're, you're fucking starting from the sea and you're going, you know, all the way to Altadena, like you're spread out around the city. Yeah, it's definitely helpful to get that information. And and I think like when we only add one shop, um, when you're slow, you're kind of like, is it me? Yeah, like what's, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Did people find out that yeah. we're a fraud and they're not gonna order from Tishina? Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah, last yeah. day. Yeah. Uh yeah, definitely had those moments. Um when you have more shops, yeah. it's easier to be like, this is company wide. Yeah, it's it'll pass. It'll pass. This yeah. is a blip, this is seasonal. Yeah. I meant to ask this when we were talking about staffing. When you are opening a new store, personally, I've only done it once, like I said, when we opened up Hot Tongue, I overstaffed. And it yeah. was a bad, we were, it was great at the beginning because there was this huge influx of business. Yeah. But once the article stopped getting written, people had tried it out and people were there, then the neighborhood came. And mm. it was just, you're there to get supported. Uh, and we kind of had to cut back on some hours. Um, when you hire for the beginning because you i imagine that there's still a huge influx of business and then kind of it levels out to what you get do you overstaff do you go under like how do you prepare for the opening we definitely err on the on the on the over side rather than the underside we never want to be understaffed yeah um and i think that just the nature of openings if you're at the perfect staffing level that's not really that you're understaffed because yeah inevitably, you know, some people are not going to work out for various different reasons. Like maybe they don't like the job, yeah. you know, like for example, we employ a lot of people who this is maybe their first or second job. Like they don't have a ton of experience in the labor market. They haven't maybe worked in a pizzeria before. They don't know what it's like. And like after a busy weekend of getting crushed, they're like, yeah, later, not, later not doing this. Yeah. And I totally understand that. I respect it. And that's just part of the game. Right. So I would say, yeah, we're always on the overside. Yeah. Um, for us, we tend to, we tend to have a, um, a heavy beginning in the first couple of weeks. And then maybe there's a little bit of a dip, but then it's like a slow ramping up. So we need, we definitely need a solid crew to handle that opening. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of an adjustment period, but but we tend to retain most of our staff because we know that we're going to start climbing. I got a tour of the kitchen from the beautiful, lovely Brett. Brett uh, Cooper. We have a spiral mixer here. Yeah. And we have a pizza master. Yes. The other six shops do not have those two things. Why did we decide <laughs> on seven to go this route? I know it seems crazy, right? No, I mean I, I think I think you know it's very NY 
style to have a Hobart and and your you, yeah. you got your deck gas oven like yeah. you know what I mean. It was. I mean, that's why we did it, right? Yeah. Like that's what everyone told you to do. Yeah. Back in the day, it's like you got to have a Hobart. You got to have a deck oven. Yeah. <clears throat> Incredible. You know, like incredible jumps have been made in electronic oven in in electric ovens recently yeah and that's really why like and honestly like we probably should have made this change a couple of stores ago yeah but it's such a big change to make yeah and i was just to be totally honest nervous yeah um and so this was the first one where i felt like okay we're ready we have the people in place to handle this we have we have the the know-how, we we have the ability to handle this change. Um and you know, I think Hobart's are great, versatile mixers. Yeah. But we stopped grating our own cheese a while ago. Yeah. Um, and we basically when Grande convinced me that like there was no difference. The airtight bag is just the airtight bag, melt. they're not using yeah. anti-caking agents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so when they convinced me on that, I was like, okay. I like, that was the only reason I was shredding my own. Yeah. You know, was because I wanted the nice big ribbons yep. and I didn't want any random stuff being put into the cheese. Yeah. But they were like, we don't put anything in the cheese and it's airtight and it's great. It's a great product. Try it. They convinced me on it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, so we stopped grading our own cheese, which is a big reason to have one of those planetary mixers, which is a big yeah. reason, right? It's like the versatility. Yeah. It can do your, it can do your sausage mixing. Yeah. It can do your cheese grinding. Yeah. It can do your dough mixing. Yeah. Like that's the beauty of Hobart and they very rarely break down. So that's why we went to Hobart for a long time. But since we don't need it for all of those different things now, it'll, it kind of allowed us to make the change to spiral. And from all the research that I've done and everyone who I trust in the industry has told me, like, it's just a, a huge quality difference in the dough. So with a change like this, do you go forward maybe using these same tools? Do you go back and switch out for electric ovens? Do you just keep things the same? Is there, yeah. any, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what totally. do you now, now what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't, I don't think I have that answer. Okay. Yet. But I think that the way I'm going to approach it is I'm going to see how this store does. Yeah. I'm I'm sure we're going to love the quality. We've already tested it and we already do. So yeah. like if it's what I think it is, I think we're going to want to go back and replace ovens wherever we can. Yeah. Obviously there's a big power issue. Yeah, no doubt. You you need almost like 150 amps just for to, the 3 yeah, deck just yeah. to run one of these things. Yeah. And you know the interesting thing about is like well, you know, you have a pizza master. It's like it requires all of that to start up, but then it doesn't require that, that yep, and that's running. It. Yeah, it just says it's just for those like first 20 minutes. Yeah. Cuz it yeah. gets to like 650 degrees. Yeah. A Hobart takes like or not a Hobart, but a a, a deck a gas deck of them takes like two and a half hours to get the heat. Yeah. And, and like, I, what I love about this is like, you can turn it off at the end of the night, know. you know, like, I mean, that's incredible. The startup time is what? It's 20, it was 20, 25 minutes. It says it gets the heat. And then the nice thing too, is it doesn't like, this has got nice air conditioning here, but if you're ever running an oven, yeah. opening and closing and sitting next to it, yeah. it doesn't push off as much heat as, yeah. as a deck, a gas deck oven. Yeah. They're, I mean, they just seem like amazing ovens all around, but I mean, moving six deck ovens. Have you ever moved a deck oven? Oh yeah. They are one. It's terrifying and scary. And then two. My, yeah. Pizza. Shout out Pizza Master. We're giving them a lot of love, but these are not cheap ovens. 
No, they're not. But I will say that we're at a point in volume where we need two ovens. If we're doing deck ovens, we need two ovens in every space. Yeah. So when you start to get into that territory, yeah. even if you're buying them second second hand, you're pretty much you're close. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's not. It's it's if we need two ovens, it's not that big of a jump. Yeah. Cost wise. Okay. Yeah. What is your busiest shop and? I don't want to say slowest shop, you know, <laughs> but, slowest but shop. your slowest shop. <laughs> Burbank is our busiest shop right now. Did you, that's so interesting to hear. Like, uh, Burbank's did, a really interesting did, market. Did you, did you first, did you guys foresee that? Like, yep, Burbank's going to be the fucking killer. I don't like, yes, but not because I'm like smarter <laughs> or, or yeah. new, like, I just, I just had a hunch. Mm -hmm. Um, Burbank. People like to eat in Burbank, like, and there's not a lot of options there. Yeah. But it's like, it's a hungry town. They love going out to eat. They love getting delivery. Like, it's a little bit of a bedroom community. So for us, that works really well because yeah. it's a lot of people wanting to, you know, get takeout and eat in their home. Yeah. So for us, it works perfectly. Um, and there's just like, if you know anything about Burbank, like there's just not a lot of stuff there. Yeah. And there's a lot of like old school places in Burbank, really interesting ones. Like there's a, there's so many like great old, you know, institutions in Burbank, mm -hmm. but there's just not a lot of high quality stuff there at the moment, you know? And I think that will change. But uh, in 2020, when we went in there, it was kind of the perfect timing. So Burbank, Burbank hit the ground running, but recently they've kind of found their, their second gear and now they're just like humming. And so that shop is like really crushing it right now. And then um, Santa Monica uh, is across from uh, SMC. And so there's a whole seasonality thing there with the school being in session and out of session. So I think Santa Monica is, um, is a store that we're still trying to totally understand because we've never really had that kind of seasonality issue. Yeah. Um, so this summer was a big learning experience for us because we were like, oh, yeah, well, 40,000 people aren't across the street anymore. Yeah, so you feel it's it. a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So we're still, we're still working on that. We're going to okay. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, interesting about Burbank. Yeah. Are you are are you doing because Burbank's close enough to all the studios and stuff? Is there a lot of catering that you're running yeah. out of Burbank? And yeah. and and or do you get that on Fairfax as well? We get like it on for both. CBS and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, CBS. Are, we've that's gotten real um, nice. Yeah. CBS and and also not just CBS but like just around the Fairfax area. There's just a ton of creative studio office space. You know, there's all those production companies. Yeah. That you know they don't have to be CBS. They can be, they can have 30 people and that's still a great order for us, yeah. you know? So there's a lot of those offices in that area and CBS has been amazing. I mean, they hooked us up with the, the late, late show. Yeah, that's we great. did that mystery pizza. We had that whole mystery pizza box campaign with yeah. them. So that's been amazing for Fairfax there. Yeah. We'd get a lot of catering there. We get a lot of catering on the West side too. Um, but Burbank and Fairfax probably the most. Okay. Yeah. I just, I got I just thought of two questions. I don't want to forget them. Yeah. First one, you guys got rid of delivery. You guys were, were all stores doing your own delivery? All stores up until that time were doing our own delivery. We were doing yes. your own delivery. Yes. And, and so you got rid of that and it's basically Uber Eats is doing is doing all your delivery? It's actually DoorDash is our partner for that what, side of what, it. Is that through Toast? It's through Toast. Okay. Yeah. But you still use Uber Eats. Yes. Okay. Uber Eats is our exclusive third-party partner. Got it. DoorDash just fulfills our deliveries. Okay. Coast. How's that been working out? Was that a was that a tough 
was that a tough decision or, you know, or has it been actually more profitable not running? Cause you got to pay insurance. There's delivery cars. Yeah. It was a very hard decision. Yeah. Delivery drivers were a big part of our business. Yeah. You know, it was like, that was a whole group of employees. That was really huge. Yeah. Um, it was a really hard decision. Uh, I thought about it for a long time. Honestly, I, I think that um, our hand was kind of forced because when we went to open uh, Santa Monica, West LA was already struggling intensely to um, to staff delivery drivers. We just weren't we just weren't finding anyone who wanted yeah. that job. And then when we when we went to open Santa Monica, we couldn't find people for West LA. We knew we weren't going to be able to find people for Santa Monica. And so we kind of had to make the decision. There was just, there was no one to hire. Okay. They were all working, you know, gig jobs. Like they were all working for Uber or DoorDash. Yeah. And nobody wanted to work for us, which was ironic because being a delivery driver with us was a good gig. Like they were making over $30 an hour, you know? And it was sure. like five hour shifts, like come in, like in and out, like very little prep. Yeah. Like it was a good gig. Yeah. But I don't know. It just, there was no one to hire. So we had to make that call and it was a hard call to make, but ultimately it was the right decision. And I think big picture, I'm, I'm happy with it. Has it, has it been, has it been profitable? Um, yes, it's, it's not like our, it's not like we did it and then looked at our books and we're like, Oh my God, yeah, yeah, suddenly yeah. we're profitable. Like, yeah. It was an incremental. It didn't hurt the bottom line though. It helped the bottom line, yeah. but it wasn't the kind of insane jump that you would maybe expect. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the two things are, well, first of all, when you have managers driving around, you still need auto insurance. Yeah. So like the auto insurance, it's not like you can just drop that yeah, part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's not really a thing, but, but um, yeah, it wasn't, it, it was definitely helpful. Okay. It freed up some space in the shops too. It, it freed up. You know, we didn't have delivery drivers in the back portioning parm and pepper all the time. Like, yep. It just like freed up a little bit of space yeah. and it allowed us to focus some time and, and dollars on other staff yeah. that were doing more essential jobs for us. Okay. Yeah. And then I, the Dave Portnoy, <laughs> yep. one of the best, uh, one bite, everyone knows the rules. He I I forget. Did he have a bar mitzvah on the street in front of? Yeah. I was laughing my ass off. That it was a was great review. Pro probably one of the best ones I've ever seen. <laughs> it was just comical. I don't know how yeah. he he's so off the top sometimes. It's like how 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 did you know to go there? It it, it was pretty funny though. It was really. funny. I was like, did they pay review. this guy to come up? No. Do yeah, it. It was, it was it was so good. Did you know he was coming? Did you, I like everyone knew he was in town, but like, yeah. do, do they kind of like, hey, Dave's gonna stop by? No, they, he gives you no, no warning, no warning at all, no warning. We knew he was in town, and we informed all of our staff. We sent a picture out. We said, hey, look for this guy. We think he's. We just have a feeling this might be the time, and we knew he was in L.A. Um, he hadn't come to us yet, but we were ready for him, and uh, it was just everything. We were so lucky, honestly, like. And I like say what you will about him as a person, just talking about pizza reviews. Yeah. I think his pizza reviews are excellent. Like I think I really, I think the way that he talks about pizza, I, I think it's, I, I think a lot of it is right on. You yeah. know, like I love his like classification of football pizza. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's yeah, so yeah. good, right? Oh, this, is, this is good. It's, it's good. good. It's football, football pizza. pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is like, that's totally a thing. Yeah. Um, so, and I love that he 
I love that for the most part, he orders a whole pie and yeah. eats it right away. Yeah. Right. Like how that's much how money you, would that, you pay for every customer to do that? Right. It's like, I mean, a lot of money. That's the that's dream. The best, it's the best way to be scored on a slice. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's really fair the way he does it. And honestly, we just got really lucky. We had our best pizza maker at the shop that day. I know that the pie he got was excellent. Um, you know, they recognized him when he came. I don't think that ultimately changed the pizza that he got because we had our like rock star pizza maker yeah. there that day. But like, you know, it helped. And so we just got lucky. We talked to another guy, shout out Ali from 786 Degrees. He had like prepared a specific pie. Like they knew how he liked it. Like they were like ready for him to come through the door. Did you do any prep? Because like, you know, he likes a crispier, thinner, no, no none of that. No, we just gave him, we gave him the perfect version of our pizza. Yeah. I mean, like you can see it in the video. I yeah. mean, it looks, it looks perfect. It was on point. Yeah, it yeah. was definitely on I point. I was so, they called me, they called me as soon as like the cashier, the cashier was talking to him. And as soon as he like walked away, the cashier called me and was like, he came, he's here, he's here right now. And I was on the phone with the cashier being like, what's happening? Like, what? Did you get his pizza yet? Like, yeah. and he was, and, and the cashier was like, yeah, I think, I, I think it's good. I, I, I think I can hear him. Yeah. I think he likes it. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. And I, and then, but then you have to wait like a month to see the review. Yeah. So dude, I love, yeah. He's like, what is this place? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, so did you, when that came out, like, obviously it's a, Prime's a big name in LA. If you yeah. live here, you, a lot of, you're going to know Prime Pizza. Sure. So you're not struggling to get people through the door, but when a review comes like that, it's also still a big city. And there are people that maybe don't know. Was there an influx of business after that score? Yes. Yeah. Night and day, 30% next day, 30% jump in business. It was insane. And did you at least know when the review was going to come out? No. Okay. So you, you just, there's no way of preparing for like that influx of business. No, there was no way to prepare for it. Um, but we just acted quickly. We, we, we jumped our dough schedule up, you know, as soon as we knew. And yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was funny. I was talking to Justin from Apollonia's when he, when, yeah, when he got when, a great score as well. He got a great score and, and <clears throat> totally deserved. I mean, that pizza is, his pizza is amazing. Um, and and um, I saw that I saw that he was reviewed, and I texted him, and I was like, "Dude, get ready!" And he like called me, and he was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and I gave him the whole rundown. He was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "Go back to the shop and make yeah, dough. Start, like, yeah, start, start, start making, making dough. dough right now. Just like make yeah. as much as you can." Yeah. And and yeah, he had lines. I mean, he he's always busy, but like, yeah. he had lines out the door for weeks. Did you only feel that at the Fairfax, or was that everywhere? People everywhere. Went, oh man, I got this amazing. It it's incredible. great. It's great what he. Like you said, hate him or love him, like what yeah. he, what he can do for your business. I mean, like that's just no, kind of totally. what it is, you know. Totally, and 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 that's kind of our thing with it is like we didn't really like we didn't really get into the other stuff. It's like this is just a it's a pizza review, you yeah. know. And it's like I think that the way, like I said, I think the way he does pizza reviews is is really good. Like yeah. I think he does it fair. Like yeah. he's he's trying to eat the best pizza you can give him, you know? He's not, you know, ordering and then letting it sit on his car for 30 minutes and like giving you an unfair review. So like, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, and it's like his channel and he's creating content and like, if you don't, if you don't like it, there's plenty of other shit to watch. Yeah, and honestly, like the One Bite app is like actually really useful. Yeah. For finding good pizza. And he, he is funny, dude. He's funny. Um, do you run your own Instagram? Um, we, have on and off run our own Instagram. My partner, James, does a lot of that work. We just recently started hiring someone to help us run it, but we still have a pretty hands-on 
uh, we, we have a, a, a strong hand in it. Oh man, that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting considering like the, the brand is pretty big. There's seven shops. You guys still have a hand in that. Um, I mean, it's a big undertaking to be posting oh all God, the time. Yeah. So you guys only have, you have one account for every, for like the whole. Yeah. We just have one yeah, account. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. It's a little confusing when there's like seven accounts. Why do you want to dilute your following? Yeah. Or like just make it one strong brand. When can we see more content from the Prime Pizza Ranch guy or the Prime Pizza Ranch guy? <laughs> there is an account for that. You know, I couldn't. I watched your Aussie. I watched your Aussie's pizza um, or Aussie's a pizza. Yeah, a yeah. pizza uh, and I couldn't tell who was the ranch lover and who was the ranch hater in that dynamic. Oh, Aussie's he hates ranch. He hates ranch, uh, okay. and that's why it's funny that he's like always drinking it and eating it, but. Shout out Aussies. Every time he's coming to the shop, he's eating ranch. So his hat says no ranch allowed. Ranch is allowed. But okay. no, I, I love ranch. You love ranch. Yeah. I love ranch. The, the two the two reels I saw that you guys did, I think one were like the whole pie goes. I was like, holy shit. It was like, you know, it was like cut one piece. Yeah. Cut, cut one slice from the whole pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the slip and slide one was just, I was like, they got it. What what's next, dude? That's my partner, James. Uh, yeah, he he just went off the deep end with that. He's we had to reel go, him. We had to reel him in. He's got to go deeper, dude. He's <laughs> you think he has to go deeper? Deeper right. in the ranch. I'll I mean, give him you that. You guys message. created the the prime pizza <laughs> ranch guy. Everyone go follow it because we got to demand more ranch content. Okay. I I love it. I'll I give also, him that feedback. I also feel like it's like it's okay in California to dip yeah. to dip your pizza in a shit ton of ranch. Some places. You go into Prince Street, I think it says like, no ketchup, no ranch, yeah, yeah, yeah. go fuck yourself. And we kind of have a, like, we have a little bit of a thing with them with that. Yeah. It's fun. It's it's fun. It's fun. But here's the thing. It's got to be good ranch. Well, I mean, I'm sure you're making fire ass ranch. We are. Yeah. I mean, you're bottling it. That means people are buying it. So. Yeah, no, it's very good ranch. I'm very proud of it. It's like one of my favorite things. Who came up with the ranch recipe? That's a good question. I think that um, I think that our very good friend and and sometimes collaborator Noah Galutin. Oh wow! His, I think that was his recipe. Shout out! That's another big name right there. Oh dude, he's 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 a legend. I mean Noah Noah's been huge for Prime. He helped us a lot in the beginning days, and um, and he's just I mean just such a talent, immensely talented. So I'm gonna ask you the, the smallest store and then your biggest store. Okay. What do you think a good uh, estimate for startup money for like the smallest concept you had and then the biggest one? Um, <clears throat> smallest. So you're talking about like uh, to open. Yes. Right. Yeah, Fully yeah, to open. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the smallest is 200K and the biggest is 600K. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Not even a mil. No, no. no. And that's. That's permitting everything, equipment Every, out the door. And you, you guys got it dialed in, I think. You know, I think it's you just guys like, got it tight. Here's the thing is like, there's a lot of stuff we don't have. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you don't get to do when you make that decision. Like, like your build out at Hot Tongue, is it, uh, it's incredible. Like the space looks incredible. Yeah. Like none of our spaces look as cool as that, you know? So like there's stuff you give up. Yeah. You know, like. I look at stores like Hot Tongue and I'm like, oh man, I want that. You know, I, I want a store to look like that. But there's just certain things that you give up when you when you kind of create that budget. Yeah. And you know, that's just that's the decision that we made. Yeah, well, I guess like on a like a like the prime brand, it's like very on brand to have like the simple menu board and like everything's really clean and like you're 
you're not maybe putting a concrete countertop that costs $60,000. Yeah. Dumb move. Uh, <laughs> I would never do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you know, everything, well, looks, like, everything looks clean. Yeah. Everything looks on brand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, I think the question you have to ask yourself is like, does it make the pizza better? Yeah. Yeah. If it does, invest in it. Yeah. If it doesn't make the pizza better. Now, like, I'm not saying, like, you can't have it look bad. Yeah. Like, you got to have it look good. But, you know, if it's not making the pizza any better, then, like, yeah, you have to, I think you really have to think twice about it. And I think it comes down to personality type so much, right? Like, yeah. Like, some people really care about that, and that's a big part of their identity. Yeah. And that's great. It just so happens that that's, like, not a big part of my identity. Yeah. So no, I, I get that the aesthetic yeah. and like the art of how that restaurant came together. I love, but there is definitely a give or take when it comes yeah. down to it and, For sure. and it's staying in budget, you know, and if you want to do that, yeah, you got to make some tough, some um, tough choices. Yes. I saved the most important question for last. Excellent. What or who is the greatest artist or band of all time? Okay. Uh, you know this is an impossible question to answer. Hundred percent, but it's very subjective. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. in your world, how? Okay, so so I think how I choose to answer this question is um, for me, I think the time in my life when music was most important to me was when I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I think that's I think I think that's when music meant the most to me in my life. I still love music, obviously, but like it was visceral back then. Like, you know how, you know, it's yep. like you're in junior high. It's yep. like, it's your world. You're figuring things out. You're figuring things out and things just like, when you hear things for the first time, it just has that ability to kind of explode your mind in a way that like, you know, when you're 40, it's like, mm, you know, <laughs> and that's so lame. Cool but, record. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool album, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, so I think how I choose to answer this question is, I'm gonna go back to that time and at that time, for me, the greatest band in the world was Raging Against the Machine. Hell yeah. It's the first, first major concert I saw by myself. Irvine, Irvine Meadows. I was terrified. They were throwing pieces of bonfire in the crowd. Yeah. I was in seventh grade. I was like, but it that was like Raging Against Machine. Was just Terrified like, but loving it. Oh yeah. It was like Fuck the most, you, I won't do what you tell me. Dude, you were those start albums, a revolution. I know. Dude, they, I felt uh, so pumped yeah, and I was yeah. just like this, you know, this white kid from Tarzana. And like, <laughs> hey, you, I, you had a lot to say, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, that band like meant a lot to me and, and I spent a lot of time listening to them. So yeah, Raging Against Machine. Zach De La Roca. Yeah. Yeah. The whole band, every band, every element of that band, they were all so good. Yeah. Brad Will. Yeah. Is that his name? The drummer? I think so. He was insane. Tom Morello. Tom Morello yeah, was the guitarist. Doing the craziest, weird yeah, the, shit. I forget the bassist name, but he was really good. Yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Uh they were on Guitar Hero. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hard one to riff. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Zach, thank you for your time. I have one last thing. Oh, shit. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, I know you do a gift thing. I, I feel it's cool. It's cool. But I have a gift for you. Oh, my goodness. And this is a, this is a, a discontinued, not available in stores, Sorry, prime pizza. Nick. Prime pizza's in a Maroon corduroy. Yeah. Dude, this is sick. Looks good on you. 
Yeah, dude, you know what? I actually stopped doing gifts on this season because I was losing so much money. <laughs> Let's make this a thing. If you're if you're watching or listening, this hat is sick. I love hats and t-shirts. Cool. And money. <laughs> My Venmo is Alex Coons. Just that. Where do we go to get in touch? Our website, primepizza.la. Um, <clears throat> Our Instagram is primepizza.la. Those are the two main places you can find us. DM, email, or they're all open. In the show notes, we'll put Zach's phone number. Yeah, text and his text home me. address. Mm -hmm. Please. All right, Zach, dude, thank you for your time. Dude. Thank you for the hat. Thank you, man. Uh, this was great. Big inspiration. Love to see what you guys are doing. Likewise. Uh, pizza in LA has only gotten better since y'all been around. And thank you. I know you're a busy person, so this means a lot sitting down and talking to me. Anytime, man. This was a pleasure. Oh.